This is 680 CJOB. Hey everyone, welcome to The Main Ingredient. Kevin Bergen here. I am on location. I am at Fusion Experience Desserts and Cafe. I am with Hunter Bergen. Hunter Bergen, welcome. Hello. Hello, hello. I had to drag her along to eat dessert. Dessert for breakfast. You, you just got out of bed, didn't you? Yeah, like an hour ago. And it's like one o'clock. You say that like I wasn't willing to come here. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, like I didn't hear desserts. Oh, you know, and then it was like, I'm on my way. <laughs> I'm on my way. you said desserts i'm like i'm awake i'm awakened i'm awake i know 12 o'clock i didn't know if she was getting up isn't that sad (laughs) the life of a teenager i have time to sleep therefore i will thank you very much all righty then we are here with lisa lisa how do you pronounce your last name tang lisa tang the owner of fusion experience desserts and cafe how are you man i'm good how are you i'm good welcome back to the show you're a main ingredient veteran this is your third time yeah we did once at your shop, Fusion Experience, on Academy. Mm-hmm. We did once at the Forks. And now we're here on Main Street. What's the exact address? 272 Main Street. All right. So let's give people a little background on your restaurant history. The restaurant itself, we've been in the hospitality business for over 20 years. We started out on Broadway, but the name was Infusion Experience. It was Asahi back then. And then a Fusion Experience actually uh, started up in 2015. And so now it's expanded to, you know, three different locations. And I would say, I guess, three different types of cuisine, cuisine, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we no longer have the Academy location. Uh, it was getting too small, our lease was up, so we decided to let that go. We're still in the process of looking for a bigger location. Uh, but with COVID happening right now, we're still ta- we're just taking our time. If it happens, it happens. We're not in a rush. Uh, but we're, you know, we ha- we're working with Shindico, um, and they're looking for, they're always looking for spaces for us. Uh, right now, we're happy with being at the Forks, which is a kiosk. We brought the academy menu down to the forks so it's not just you know it's not typical fast food um and then i branched off and i'm now doing my own thing no longer with i mean i'm with my husband <laughs> you're not physically not with him today longer, yeah <laughs> i'm no I'm, longer with him right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah no don't let him hear, hear that uh no uh so i decided to open up a desserts and cafe Okay, I, um, you know I love your food. I think you guys are the best. I'm just wondering how you can open another place with how busy you guys are. Like, Hunter was with me the last time mm-hmm. at the at uh, Fusion Experience, or like we ate everything. You yeah. guys like through, um, like we crawled out of there. That's so full. But <laughs> and I know why you guys moved or closed it because it was busy. The, the shop just it was too small for how many people wanted to get in there. Hundred percent. But you guys have kids. You guys are busy. And you open up another place? Like, I'm happy you did, but how do you do it? Um, well, I, you know, it's it's kind of like a passion that I've always enjoyed doing since I was young. I loved baking. It never occurred to me that I'd open a bakery or anything like that. It was just a hobby to start out. Um, but, you know, as I mentioned to Chris and we talked about it before we opened here, it actually took me like over 20 years to decide to open up a desserts cafe. Um, So this has been in the back of your mind for a while. Well, it it actually just started like maybe a few years ago. Um, 
because uh, during the um, you know the restaurant time, I was working you know at RBC, and then I go to the restaurant, and then I'd come home and bake. Which which uh, which place were you working at RBC? The first one. Yeah. Like when you guys opened your first no, restaurant. No, no. So the one on Academy. Oh, you were working at RBC. I was working at RBC as, at the same time. Wow. So, yeah, and baking. So it started out with me baking for, you know, family events and friends and then got to the point where people started asking um, my friends where they ordered the cake and stuff from and it just hit off from there. And then uh, I did it, you know, outside of, well, when we closed Fusion Experience on Academy, like our closing hours, I would bake from there because during the working hours, I can't bake, our kitchen was too small. Right. And, uh, people would order and then it just got to the point where it was just too busy for me for me to work at RBC run to the restaurant and then bake um, so you know we finally decided you know it's time that I open what was that like quitting that job and then going into you know, it was hard uh, that's solid income right yeah I enjoyed working uh, there you know all my manager managers and everything were really nice but um, my manager was also supportive of what I was gonna do because they've had my baking. Oh, so like, hey, yeah, we can order more of this. This is <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. So I, I bring it to meetings and stuff like that. So they've had it and, you know, um, they thought it was a good idea. So Okay, so how did you find this place? What made you land on this place? And who did the decorating for it? It's funky and cool. Uh, thank you. Uh, well, actually, this place um, was, again, um, originally, I wasn't going to open on this location. Um, my main one was going to be down in Chinatown, but then, you know, things didn't work out. And then my agent at Shindico actually had, um, showed us this location and we, we liked it right away and we put in an offer and it just took like maybe less than two months for all the paperwork to be done. Wow. Yeah. And the interior, who, who, who did it up? My husband. He did it all. Yes. So how, he, how does he have time to do that? <laughs> he would do it between um, the forks hours. So you guys are crazy. he'd run back and forth when he finished at the forks. He'd run here and then work on it for a few hours and then go go back home. And then it's the same the next day. So he he started working on it like you know um, I think it took him about two or three months to complete. It's crazy. <laughs> I think you guys are addicted to work. You have no idea how to slow down, right? Well, you know, like it's it just so. I mean, he's renovated our house. We've actually hired over, Hunter. Let's invite him over. Yeah, finish those bits that you haven't finished yet, <laughs> Dad. It's been years. It's been years. Please finish our house. I wish I, wish I didn't bring her. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> no. Um, we hired contractors to give us quotes and stuff, and it, you know, it just didn't work out. It was like really. Oh, it's expensive. expensive, yeah, and crazy. it wasn't the way I wanted it. Um, and it, for me, it's hard to explain how I want things. And Chris, he kind of knows my taste. And so I just let him, you know, go, uh, and do what he wanted, needed to do. And then I just did all the buying of tables and chairs and all the material things. Time for a few commercials, then back with more from Lisa Tang here at Fusion Experience Desserts and Cafe at 272 Main Street on the main ingredient. Everybody, welcome back to The Main Ingredient. Kevin Bergen here. And Hunter Bergen here. I can't oh, believe you. Uh, your mouth isn't full. Um, You know what? For I once? just finished a bite, so... 
She finished the bite. We are at Fusion Experience Desserts and Cafe here at 272 Main Street. Hunter is downing everything in her sight. Let's, Lisa, let's talk about the first thing you brought out, the jiggly the jiggly thing. The Japanese jiggly cheesecake. Japanese jiggly cheesecake. That, Very this good. chick just ate. Like. Very good. Listen, cheesecake is my favorite kind of cake. And, you know, adding that little jiggly aspect was very... Very nice, very intriguing, very cool. <laughs> Jiggly aspect was intriguing and cool. <laughs> and very, yes, very nice. How would you know? You ate it too fast to even know that it jiggled. You know what, Father? <laughs> I don't need your criticism. <laughs> My aspect on this is professional yeah, level. Yeah, that's your professional. And I do not need your opinion because I am the professional here. Let okay. me take. <laughs> let me take a... Okay. Yeah, all that from a 15-year-old. Okay, so let's talk about... The almost ja- 16, thank you almost, very much. Almost, almost. <laughs> Almost <laughs> going on going on thirty. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the Japanese jiggly cheesecake. So the Japanese jiggly cheesecake uh, originated in Japan, of course. Uh, Winnipeg, I found, didn't have anything like this, so I decided to, you know, uh, bring it out um, and have Winnipeg try it. Um, there is something like this back in Toronto and the bigger cities. Um, there's a big franchise called Uncle Tetsu. So uh, when people have my jiggly cheesecake, they often compare it to Uncle Tetsu. I've had Uncle Tetsu once, and you know, I personally think it it's, it's pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's me. I want people to. You know, try it and judge for themselves. And based on the um, comments that I'm getting, is that it's uh, fluffier, lighter, and jiggles. And jigglier. Jigglier. Yeah. Jigglier. No. (laughs) Hilarious. So response has been good on this bad boy. Yes. Just because right now we're the only ones in Winnipeg that has the Japanese jiggly cheesecake. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the cookies. The cookies. So I wanted to be different. Uh, again, you know, uh, bring something to Winnipeg that we don't really have. Uh, there's a lot of bakeries that have cookies, but the cookies that I make, I fully load it with um, stuffing and not just basic cookie base. Um, so the ones that I have here that I brought to you are the new uh, flavors. We have the Cookie Monster, which is loaded with chocolate chip, stuffed with um, lint chocolate uh, truffles, and then it's got uh, sugar um, sugar cookie base, and it has chocolate chip cookies. And then we've got the the chocolate sprinkled Teddy Graham bears, and that has sprinkles it's a chocolate or it's um sugar cookie base with uh chocolate the chocolate chips Mm -hmm. and also sprinkles and the teddy graham bears and it also has uh, like teddy graham cookies cookies yeah oh sweet yeah Mm -hmm. they cram 50 million of those bad boys yeah yeah and it's also made with uh vanilla wafers yeah inside and then here is the uh, unicorn cookie. Uh, this was actually uh, kind of like named for, made after my daughter because she loves unicorn. And also, as you can see, she's decorated the 
cafe with <laughs> unicorns. Yeah. So we, we decided to make a sparkling unicorn cookie. And this is a sugar-based um, cookie with sprinkles, uh, pretzels, and uh, popcorn. Oh, nice. And it's stuffed inside with marshmallows. So when you pull it apart, it stretches. Then here we have the Hershey's chocolate um, cookies and cream. And that has um, that's made with Oreo cookies, uh, Oreo or Hershey's Oreo uh, cookies and cream chocolate, uh, Hershey's or cookies and cream crunchies. So it's like a kind of popcorn and chocolate. And it has... Um, They're coming for you. Marshmallows. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... You gave me a whack of cookies last time. Yes. And the first thing I thought as you were giving the cookies, number one is so many ingredients in each cookie. How do you do that? Even remember what is what? How do you name them? And how do you make them all the time? Once you make something, yeah, it's great to be creative. But sometimes when you have so many to make, you have so many to make. Because people are going to order them. Yeah. So um, I'm trying to, um, right now I know, like I, my my uh, mochi cookies are very popular and so are the stuffed cookies so i want to bring out like different flavors um every week oh okay so, so it's not it's like, not like every week i have you know 30 different flavors right i'm like man that'd be crushing yeah right? so every week i have about 10 different flavors and the mochi ones are always kind of the same um just because you know mochi is very very tricky, right, um, tricky in terms diet. of flavor um you can't really mix a lot of flavors with mochi why i'd say it kind of overpowers everything well because you can't really taste the flavor mm. um so the one that uh hunter is eating is the powering back mm-hmm. you mean <laughs> yes. devouring that one is the taro which is also ube um why, how come it's purple because it's taro so all of this the, all of my cookies and cakes and cream puffs, I use real uh, ingredients. So that taro is actually like a purple yam. So that's why it's purple. Very good. I do recommend. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> you got the hunter stamp of approval. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would like the Jamaican stamp of approval yeah. when mom comes along. Yeah, I can do it. Do well, with that as you will. But. You gave me this drink last time. This big the drink. Creme yes. bubble tea. Yes. Yeah, let's talk. Yeah, oh, so good. Let's talk about the the stuff you do drink wise. So uh, the drinks we have, uh, we have fresh bubble tea, like fruit bubble tea, um, and also you know the regular smoothie bubble teas. Uh, But the difference with us and other bubble tea places is that we can infuse our uh, drinks bubble teas with alcohol. Yes. So the one that you had was the (laughs) crumbley. I am underage, <laughs> so <laughs> we'll not be trying it with that soon. Yeah. So um, you had the creme brulee bubble tea, which was also infused, and I had put in there uh, some Bailey's salt and uh, car- salty, salted caramel yeah. um, liqueur in your... I didn't hate that. Creme brulee <laughs> bubble tea. So, and it was huge. Yeah. It's like the size of my head. <laughs> You got a it's big like head. A why, that say <laughs> why did I bring her? I have no idea. <laughs> you made this decision for yourself. I, I regret it You've right now. You've done this to yourself. <laughs> Back to my bubble tea. Yeah. Um, you make different kinds besides that, right? Like, what are yes. how many different kinds of those that are available all the time? Yes. 
So the bubbles, bubble teas and the fresh fruit teas are always available. Uh, we have a different uh, flavors. We have signature flavors. So we have the creme brulee. We have the another one that's very popular is the dream, which is an ube and coconut um, flavor uh, bubble tea. It's also a smoothie um, and that we, you know, all the drinks we can infuse with alcohol, whether or not, you know, you can decide whether you want it or not. We always pair it up with the alcohol that we we know will suit the flavor. Okay, let's tell people how they uh, how they get a hold of you, how they come in order, where you're located, your social media, all that good stuff. So um, we're always posting on Instagram, and because we're always coming out with different flavors every week, it's best to you know um, check our Instagram page. Oh, that's how you notify people. Yes, okay. through Instagram. Facebook. Um, I don't run my Instagram page, uh, so you're, you're busy baking. I can, <laughs> yeah. you, you couldn't do that too. No. So um, you know, as long as you're checking that and following us, you'll um, you'll see the different flavors that we offer, and um, you can order uh, through Instagram. You can email us or Facebook, or you can call or text. What's your number? It's a test. You know that, right? Well. No one ever knows uh, their number when I ask them. <laughs> I, I know my number. I'm just trying to decide which number. So right now I have the cafe number forwarded to my cell phone. Yeah. Um, so that number is 204-691-9334. And if you want to text me, it's at 204-227-9298. You're going to get all sorts of weird texts now. That's just going to happen. And your address one more time. 272 Main Street. Awesome. Thanks for having us today. We appreciate it. Thanks for coming. News, weather, and sports, and then we'll return with James Bowdershill from Bump Beef and Plant Blend. Be right back. Welcome once again to the main ingredient. Like the man said, I'm Kevin Bergen. If you love beef-based meals like I do, and you're looking for ways to reduce meat consumption, then I got something for you. Bump Beef and Plant Blend blends delicious Canadian beef with plant-based protein, which means a lower environmental footprint, 18% fewer calories, and 27% less fat than conventional lean ground beef. All this while still delivering 100% of the tender, juicy, real beef flavor that you know you love. James Battershill is the owner, and he's here to fill us in. How are you, James? Great. Thanks for having me today. No problem. Thanks for uh, coming, man. Uh, Let's talk about your... First, let's talk about you before we get into your product. Let's talk about how you got into the food industry or what what your background is. Sounds good. I worked... uh, Went through university uh, in the University of Manitoba um, and did a degree in global political economy. So about as far removed from the kitchen and food (laughs) processing as you could possibly be. Um, But the connection to food and agriculture at that time came when I did a, a final project actually on the global coffee economy. And it allowed me to do a bit of a deep dive into the different tools uh, that have existed uh, to help elevate the livelihoods of coffee farmers around the world. Uh, once I graduated, that segued into a uh, 11-year career with Manitoba's largest farm advocacy organization called Keystone Agricultural Producers, um, which was a great opportunity to learn about agriculture, learn about farming, and get an even more in-depth knowledge uh, about food. I hit the 10-year mark of my career at CAP uh, and realized that I still had this entrepreneurial bug that I hadn't scratched, uh, an entrepreneurial itch that I hadn't scratched that really uh, was something that was uh, important to me. And I knew that if I wanted to do something um, 
really big um, and something that really sort of achieved the goals that I wanted in my career and in my personal life, I'd have to strike out on my own. So uh, June 2018, uh, I started working on an idea uh, for a product that eventually became Bump Beef and Plant Blend. Um, worked independently while still working in my full-time job uh, for uh, about six months uh, and then in January 2019 left my job at CAP and been focusing on this ever since. Did you have an entrepreneurial um, spirit before you started that? Had you ever thought about owning your own business? Not really, surprisingly. Really? I love I love listening now to entrepreneurial podcasts, radio programs, YouTube videos, everything that I can consume about entrepreneurship I do. Uh, and it always surprises me a little bit that every founder of the company that's featured on those shows uh, always indicates oh, they were the kid that had the lemonade stand Sorry. growing up or hustling and, and mowing lawns. And I'd always worked and I'd always had jobs and I'd always done a little bit of, you know, growing up, I'd cut the grass, I'd always had jobs throughout school. Um, but I never really uh, envisioned myself as an entrepreneur. I still remember going to uh, the University of Manitoba when they hope, ha- held open houses uh, for grade 12 students and going to one of the presentations at the Asper School of Business. Uh, and it was on entrepreneurship, and there was a, a facilitator there that asked that question, does anyone here want to own their own business? And I distinctively remember thinking, no, that's not for me. That's, I'm not going to raise my hand to that question. Uh, but as I worked uh, for others and, and worked in the agriculture sector, uh, what I kept seeing and what really kept pushing me um, was this idea that I needed to work on something that was big and that was something uh, that was important to me uh, to really sort of make the world a better place and have my mark in the world. And the only way that I could see doing that uh, was by striking out on my own, building a team to help support me uh, that shared that same vision uh, for trying to really do something grand. Did you have other products in mind before this one came about or you did some research and it came to this? So the what I had learned during my time working in agriculture and working with farmers was that chain, there were changes that were happening to consumer attitudes towards food and farming, uh, without question. Uh, it was really the core of what we were doing as an organization was working with the public and working with government and trying to navigate these new waters about public awareness around how food is produced, What is the impact on my personal health of the way that it's produced either at the farm level or through processing? What is the environmental impact of the way that it's produced? How are animals treated? How are workers treated? Uh, Consumers are becoming more and more aware of what uh, the process was for food to get from the field to their plate. Um, As as compared to when? Like we're talking like 10 years ago, 20 years ago? I think really when you look sort of during the post-Second World War era when convenience food started becoming more, the sort of emergence of fast food, uh, drive-throughs, the TV dinner, microwaves, where really the focus was on how do we make food more convenient and more accessible to people, uh, especially realizing that sort of the, the... Work in the home uh, was no longer being managed by a single person. Um, So what we'd seen was the core focus was solely on convenience and price. Um, And now I think we've seen a pretty dramatic shift. And it hasn't been overnight. It's certainly been over a couple of decades. But in a return to a desire to know more about the way that the food is produced, maybe take more time uh, to recognize the impact of the way that food is produced uh, and to really care about food more at the end of the day. Before you started your job, your career, how long were you at uh, Keystone? 
Uh, 11 years. Before you started that, did you have, uh, were you aware of how food was produced and how it was made and how it got from, you know, from the farm to your table and what could happen to it in between that time? I would say no, I didn't have, I was an outlier uh, of the people that worked in the agriculture system and specifically at uh, Keystone uh, in that I had no agricultural background. I, you know, the only connection that I had to a farm was sort of a, a third cousin twice removed sort of s- situation. Um, I maybe worked, you know, a couple of those uh, Burger King and, and Pizza Hut style jobs uh, throughout school and, and knew a little bit about how the restaurant industry uh, worked. Well, school uh, is all about fast food. Yeah, exactly. Right, I'm it, studying and I want something fast and that's it. Yeah, absolutely. So, but really the, the in-depth work and sort of where it started to dawn on me that there was a much more complicated system behind how food gets to us, to the end consumer, uh, was when I was doing that research project on the global coffee economy. And you realize just how intricate um, and complicated our global food system is uh, when you're talking about you know, the, the impact that the Cold War had on global coffee exports and how that shifted after the fall of the Berlin Wall. Um, there were all sorts of things that came out of those, that research studies that really opened my eyes and said, this is a complicated system and it's worth learning more about and it's worth sharing more information about. The thing I find really interesting is that, again, you're a guy that had nothing to do with that, no interest in owning your own business, no knowledge of, you know, the farming uh, industry or the food industry and you go into it and, and it pulls you in. There's a lot to learn. That's super interesting. Absolutely. Um, so, okay, so how did you hone in on this product? Why beef? So the, what I was learning and realizing uh, while I was finishing up my time uh, working in agriculture was that there was this dramatic change in public opinion and perspective around products like beef uh, and all animal uh, agricultural products at the end of the day. Um, what we were dealing with was consumers starting to look harder at our current consumption systems um, and the sort of the types of foods that we eat and the way that they're produced and recognizing the impact on personal health uh, and also the environmental footprint of those products. At that same time, we were starting to realize that this niche group of consumers uh, that had said, no, we don't want to have uh, animal products as a part of our diet, vegans and vegetarians, they had sort of stood alone for a really long time uh, and typically made up between 3 and 7% of the total population, depending on whose numbers you look at. That's changed but, quite a bit, hasn't it? Well, no, not actually. Really? Surprisingly enough, the, the number of people that self-identify as either vegans or vegetarians has stayed fairly consistent. But what has changed dramatically is that those groups are no longer standing alone. They're really starting to encroach into your, uh, your general consumer and starting to influence them. Uh, and rather than saying, you should be like us, you should cut out animal agriculture and, and animal food products entirely, um, they're now communicating saying, hey, are you concerned about your health? Are you concerned about the health of the planet? You can do your part by reducing a little bit. And that's where there's this, been this emergence over a short period of time with this large group of consumers that we call flexitarians, people that are looking to reduce the amount of meat in their diet, but not cut it out entirely. That would be me. I could never. Yes, I think re- a reduction in meat would be a good thing for sure, especially for me. I don't ever think I could give it up. I wouldn't even try to give it up because I like it so much. All right. I, you know, we're going to take a little break and then we're going to come back. You are very interesting. This whole thing is very interesting because it's it's new news to me. I'm around food all the time, but it's nice to hear an actual side that I know nothing about. OK, so we're going to come back with uh, James Batters Hill, um, the creator, creator or owner of uh it's called 
Bump Beef and Plant Blend. We're going to talk about that on the other side, on the main ingredient on 680 CJOB. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Kevin Bergen here. I'm sitting here with James Battershill, the owner of uh, Bump Beef and Plant Blend. Um, we were talking about vegetarians, vegans, all sorts of things in the in the first part of the main ingredient. Let's talk about um, the advantages to reducing beef in your diet. I love beef. Could never give it up, but a reduction wouldn't be a bad thing. So let's talk about some of the advantages. So when people that self-identify, again, as that flexitarian term, the people who want to reduce the amount of meat in their diets, uh, but not cut it out entirely, and, people and, like and, you. And that's what a flexitarian is? That's, that's a definition? A, absolutely. That's what a flexitarian is. You're, you're in, that, in, that, uh, in that niche, and, and would, that a title would apply to you, certainly. Am I still, if I want to, but I'm not? It's, I have to be taking steps to reduce, not... You know, hey, maybe I'm going to cut out that burger this Friday, but still carry on. So interestingly enough, when we look at the survey data around flexitarians, the number of people that actually claim that term and and sort of take it on as a part of their personal identity because it describes their consumption patterns, it's a very small number of people, less than 10%. uh, But when you ask the question, are you interested in reducing the amount of meat in your diet or are you already taking steps to reduce the amount of meat in your diet? That number jumps up to 40 to 60%. It's an enormous segment of the population. So uh, I would say you would fall into that class, even if you're just a conscious consumer and you're aware that this is something that you should potentially be considering. When you ask people that, what's the number one reason that they say they want to reduce? Uh, Number one reason by far across demographics is personal health. Uh, There's a fairly uh, well-accepted, it's a fairly well-accepted truth that, um, the overconsumption of various types of meat uh, can lead to health problems. Uh, that's something that has been uh, demonstrated time and time again. It's connection to obesity, uh, the increase in consumption in meat in uh, groups and the associated increase in cardiovascular disease. Um, I think that we try not to uh, provide dietary advice. I don't think that that's the place of a food company, mm-hmm. uh, but we do certainly respond to that shift uh, in uh, consumers' preference and the message that's being communicated to Canadians, whether it's through the New Canada Food Guide or through dietitians themselves, uh, that for people that uh, want to make uh, a healthful change in their diet, one of the easiest things to look at is the reduction in the total amount of meat that you're eating. Was that one of the, thing, one of the things that you wanted to do personally that led you to this? Uh, Absolutely. I've always been someone that's been uh, fairly health conscious. And I think that for me, it was not only looking at myself, but it was looking at uh, my broader group of friends uh, where you saw meat consumption for a long time, uh, especially amongst guys as being something that's very masculine. And it's it's a big part of your identity. You're a guy that eats burgers and loves loves, doing giant steaks and those things. But I was seeing in my group of friends that, you know, as we approach that sort of early 30s time in our lives and you know, the bodies don't respond to uh, inputs in the exact same way, uh, that there are certainly some negative health outcomes and sort of the, the things come to roost a little bit and those health challenges uh, become a little bit more real for you. So uh, recognizing that it, this is a challenge that a lot of people my age and in a lot in my group of friends, um, it's definitely something that we took uh, into account when we um, made this decision and designed this product. Um, surprisingly enough, one area and one group of consumers that I maybe didn't necessarily think about it first, uh, but became very, very clear that personal health uh, and connecting that with meat consumption was going to be uh, a big area of interest for was the baby boomers, people that are my parents' generation. Mm -hmm. Um, I was surprised with the number of people that I talked about this idea to. They say, oh, my, my dad would love that. Oh, grandpa would love that. His doctor is telling him he needs to cut out 
cut down the amount of red meat in his diet, but I can't convince him for the life of me to learn how to cook a chickpea curry. So I got to find other ways to right. let him it's, enjoy. It's, it's a win-win, right? Exactly. It'll, it, I've got to find other ways for him to be able to cook and enjoy the things that he likes, but cut back on some of that fat that is potentially causing some health issues for him. All right. So let's talk about the product itself. Let's talk about um, how is it made? What is it made of? It's plant-based protein. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about exactly what that means. So 70% of the product is Western Canadian beef. Uh, It's really the foundation for uh, what it is that we're producing here. Um, This is where we're unique and distinct from maybe some of the other products that are also pitching and marketing towards these flexitarian consumers that are entirely plant-based and would qualify as a vegetarian product as well. Uh, We recognize that the flexitarians don't want to cut meat out of their diet entirely, but want to reduce. So we thought to ourselves, well, if these folks just want to reduce the amount of meat, why don't we give them a product that just has less meat in it? So Mm -hmm. we take 70% ordinary ground beef sourced from Western Canada, and we combine it with plant protein. And our plant protein uh, uh, comes from peas grown primarily in the Canadian prairies. Um, And then what the way that they're processed is that they're ground down. Um, The protein is isolated through a filtering process. Uh, They're put under uh, pressure and then extruded out and chopped. Um, So it's essentially the way that I try and describe it to people because it's a bit of an industrial process and it's... Yeah, because what you just said, I'm like, I have no idea what that means. So think about a pressure cooker with a pasta machine stuck on the end. Oh, okay. Because at the end of the day, that's the process that we're going through is that we're just putting the protein under high heat and pressure and then... Uh, changing that pressure dramatically, which causes the proteins to expand and create little air pockets so that it's able to absorb moisture and get the general texture and taste of, uh, of um, animal protein. How'd you come up with that? Uh, textured, textured vegetable protein is not my invention uh, in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> or how did you choose that? Yeah. Why, why was that the avenue you went? So, so textured vegetable protein, which is um, can be made of a variety of different types of vegetable protein, and it's been very commonly produced using soy protein for a long, long time. It's been a dietary staple for vegetarians and vegans for decades now. Um, the change was that the technology got better to produce it in a way that mimicked the texture of meat. Uh, more closely mimic the texture of meat um, and it was able to be done with ingredients that maybe um, had a better smell flavor um, taste and texture uh, compared to uh, a soy-based product so that was the big change Uh, we work with uh, companies to source that and they produce it for us Uh, and the process that we're involved in is combining it with that western canadian beef uh, grinding it and uh, processing it in vacuum packaging and shipping it to consumers. Right. If you're blending something, it can't be something that is completely different than it. Then it's just like if you mixed it with something that's terrible. Yeah. Right. It's got to be, it's got to be as close to what you're as close to the meat as humanly possible. And that's what we aimed for. And part of our product development work was done with uh, the culinary research and innovation program at Red River College. And that was the very first step that they suggested to us. They said, you know what, there's a bunch of these different plant-based uh, protein ingredients that are available on the market. Let's just start by assessing all of them that we can get our hands on. Let's figure out which ones smell the best, which ones taste the best, which ones look the best, which ones have the best color, which ones combine um, with uh, conventional animal protein in the most effective way. Let's figure out that as the very first step so that we know we're picking the best possible ingredient and then work on creating the final end product. For sure, because it's not going to succeed. At the end of the day, to the meat eater, I'm a meat eater. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And a meat eater is not going to stop eating meat 
because you know the only reason they're going to stop eating meat is because they have to. They're not going to stop. If, if you could eat meat every day and be healthy, I'd eat meat every single day, morning, noon, and night, mm-hmm. breakfast, lunch, and dinner. At its simplest, it has to be the same. It's it got has to taste the same. It's got to taste good. That's yes. I think that's the key difference here is that it's one of these areas where I think that for a long, long time, uh, there have been many, many products out on the market that tried really hard and failed quite badly to satisfy what meat eaters are looking for. Uh, and the approach that we've taken, I think, does an exceptional job. We always get positive feedback from anyone who's trying Bump for the first time saying, I didn't notice a difference. Hey, actually, we noticed a small difference, but it's because this held on to moisture in the meatloaf that we made a little bit better than when I was normally making it with lean or extra lean. Uh, so we're really seeing positive feedback from consumers, and we're really excited about that. And it just tells us that we sort of started from the right place with the blend ratio that we were looking at. Okay, so let's remind people where they can purchase it, if they, how they get a hold of you, if they have any questions. You can purchase on. You guys deliver? So in, delivery was a bit of a response to the pandemic. We had a number of people, again, in that March timeline that were coming back from holidays or they were you know, down in Phoenix at the, at the Snowbirds and they were coming back and they were being forced to quarantine for 14 days. And, and, and sometimes I, you got to give the people what they want. Yeah, exactly. And they were saying like, it. James, we, we really want to try this. We're excited about this, but we literally can't leave our houses. And you're not going to go, no, sorry. <laughs> yeah. So we set, up, we set up home delivery. If people go to eatbump.com, we are still doing home delivery. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but the focus is really on getting people to, to pick it up at their local grocery store. So it's the co-ops in the city, uh, the Vita Healths in Winnipeg, Country Roots Market on Henderson Highway. Uh, and you'll see us around the city. We're going to pop up at some events and some markets uh, doing uh, sort of selling uh, packages of bump, but also selling some of the samples um, of dishes that do a really great job of showcasing just how delicious and versatile it can be. Perfect. How about your website and social media? Let's give that out. You bet. Uh, so it's eatbump.com for both. Uh, we're on Instagram, Facebook, and uh, and www.eatbump.com. Uh, lots more information there. We're posting some of the recipes that we've developed in partnership with uh, Red River College uh, culinary arts students there. Uh, we really encourage people to check them out and try them because they're absolutely amazing. Awesome. Thanks for coming, man. I appreciate it. No, I really appreciate being here. Thank you. No problem. So... One of the dishes Bump Beef and Plant Blend will be available in when they make samples at stores will be my mom's Jamaican patties. She made some the other day, and they were delicious. Anyway, that's a wrap. Thanks for tuning into the main ingredient today, everybody. Have a great week. This is 680 CJOB.